Welcome to Asia Rising, a podcast from La Trobe, Asia, where we discuss news, views, and general happenings of Asian states and societies. I'm your host, Matt Smith. Since coronavirus has spread around the world, much of the attention has been on the countries, economies, and recoveries of Europe and North America. Asia, on the other hand, has been coping with the coronavirus in a variety of ways. Some regions, such as China, Hong Kong, and South Korea, got the coronavirus early and have reached a point where they are living with it. Others, such as Indonesia, the Philippines, and India are emerging with cases, and due to low testing, it's hard to get a full picture of the situation. In our case, Australia, we are cautiously optimistic. We've flattened the curve, and lockdown restrictions are being relaxed in some places. In this episode of Asia Rising, we will hear from three countries in lockdown. We are hanging on there. I think um, as the epidemic is still uh, very much alive, quarantine measures are still are still in place, mm. and then um, the school has not opened yet. I mean, the class is still under suspension. This is Paul Yip. He's the director of the Center of Suicide Research and Prevention at Hong Kong University. Mm. Also, I'm uh, alumni mater of the Latrobe University as well. Very fun memory and very enjoyable time at Latrobe. <laughs> well, thank you. That's glad to hear. Hong Kong recorded its first case of coronavirus in early January. And since then, it has gone through an extended period of lockdown, social distancing, and is now preparing to get back to a new normal. You are still at work. You look like you're at work there. You're not working from home. Are there a lot of people working from home? Yes, we do allow our staff, I think, to take turns, I think, to whether they would like to work at home or not. At this moment, I think all the so-called non-emergency services, they will have a choice to work at home. But as a director of a centre, and then I'm also living very close by, I am driving in terms of the risk, I think, at the public transport uh, was minimum. So I also like to give some support, I mean, for those people actually who take the travel to come to work. It seems like Hong Kong has been handling it really well. It hasn't gone into full lockdown, but you've still got social distancing in place there, don't you? Yes, I... I think if you know about the Hong Kong situation, I think Hong Kong is a really crowded place. Everyone lives in a very small apartment. So mm. I think this um, uh, working at home arrangement, this school suspension, it actually has created quite a lot of chaotic situation already. We are very fortunate. I think the number of cases has come down quite substantially. Mm. But I think there's the whole community. I think they're paying a huge price. I mean, our daily routine has been disrupted. But everybody uh, trying to keep the social distancing, put the mask on. We do take this precaution uh, then yeah. in order to minimize this very highly contagious, I think, the COVID-19. From what I've read, social distancing is very effective in Hong Kong. And some people are claiming that's because you've had infectious diseases in the past there before. Is that kind of accurate from your perception? Well, I think to a certain extent, which is true, because I think in 2003, I think about 17 years ago, we mm. had the SARS epidemics. I think at that time, about 200 people died. So yeah. we have learned a very painful experiences there. So when this time when we have the COVID-19, although the government, I think, seems to lagging behind a bit, I think, in keeping up the quantity measure, but I think the public itself, 
I think they have quite a good awareness of the situation. So when the Singapore government laughed at us why we put up the mask, and I think the people are queuing up to get the mask. Yeah. When the people uh, laughing at us uh, as some sort of panic buying, and now we see the things happen in other country. So I think this fears, this sort of sense of fear, this anxiety, I think is always uh, up and alive in Hong Kong because I think Hong Kong essentially is a very stressful city anyway. <laughs> but because of this, I think it makes the people they're more stressful. But at the same time, I think we stay more alert, I think, to the situation. And because we're so close to China, better prepare in facing this COVID-19. So can I ask you uh, about mental health then, which is a direct area of your interest and something which must be of a concern during this time? Are you more concerned than normal? How do you think the mental health of Hong Kong is going? Well, I think because of this social isolation and because of this disruption of the routine, I think it does cause a lot of anxieties to the community at large. Mm. I think the fear of uh, contracting the disease, I think the fear of spreading the disease to your family members, and also the physical distancing is very new to Hong Kong. I mean, we usually, we go out to Yum Cha to meet our family members, I think on mm. Saturday and Sunday. But now we were told that you, are, you stay home, you have more four people to go out together all the restaurant and then the thing has been closed. So I think it, this disruption itself, it creates this emotional disconnection, I think, in the community, which is uh, one of our concern. I think when we look at the SARS in 2003, I think what we have found out that the suicide rate, it actually, in that year, it went up to the historical high. Yeah. And then we found out that the increase itself is mainly amongst the older adults and also the mid-age one, which they suffer from job loss. But mm. now what we are seeing in COVID-19, I think the situation could be even worse because the duration itself is longer than SARS and the contagious effect itself is much stronger. So mm. it creates even more uncertainty, fear, anxiety in the community. And plus, we have a very long time of shutdown of our school. Now, I think the family, they're getting a bit very paranoid uh, about the progress of the children. Mm. Now we do the Zoom teaching. So the, yeah. the yeah. responsibility is as good. <laughs> but now mm. they have to look at the children all the time. Yeah. And it's actually, it's yeah. very stressful. And plus, if the parents, I think they have to work at home, and then they like to have some sort of um, their own space. So actually, everybody is re-competing for the space now. And as you know, Hong Kong is a very, our living environment is so close now. So it is very challenging. It is very important, I think, for the government. I think, yes, we have to impose this sort of social distancing, but at the same time, there must be some infrastructure, some way to maintain the connectivity among the people. I think cut off everything is not difficult. But how do you create some sort of connectivity and then make the people feel 
that they have not been forgotten. Mm. Uh, mm. You are not alone. You know, we are here, and then we are going to go through it together. I think that is very important. Okay, uh, look, I I won't keep you for much longer. Um, so th thank you for the chat. But are you well? Is your mental health going okay? <laughs> thank you for asking, Matt. <laughs> it is very important when you say <laughs> that when we have the people their mental health. We should ensure that our mental health is good as well. If you do not know how to look after yourself, and then you will not be able to look after other people. I noticed though that you didn't answer my question. Oh so. no! I, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay, and 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 it is good. I mean, it's okay not to be okay, right? I mean, yes, yeah. I am not quite okay, but I'm hanging there, and I will do my best. And I will sit down. I'll give you a call, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you okay. very much for the chat. Two weeks after coronavirus was evident in Hong Kong, it reached South Korea. South Korea has taken an aggressive stance with the virus, and it's been touted as an early success when it comes to flattening the curve. You close the door. Okay, all right. I won't be long, okay? Sorry. Hello. No this, this is the, the fun bit about working at home. <laughs> I talked to Sion Kim, a research associate at the East Asia Institute in Seoul, South Korea, for her perspective on life in lockdown. South Korea, we've been doing a lot better and um, the number of confirmed cases has gone down to, you know, one digit. Mm. And I've actually had the chance. Um, so you know how I had to reschedule the interview due to one of my colleagues who's ill? Yes. She actually went through the entire process with what coronavirus testing is like in Korea. Oh, tell me. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that would be very interesting to share with you. And so what happened was she was showing mild symptoms with fever and it was going from 37 to 37.7 degrees Celsius. And um, she wasn't entirely sure whether it was the coronavirus or not. So she went to a medical personnel to consult with him um, yeah. about how she should go about her symptoms. And um, he actually told her that her symptoms are not completely like coronavirus, but he suggested that she still take the test so that she could go on to see if there were other problems with her health. Mm. Um, and I think there were like two key points that I wanted to talk about with that is one, even if you're not directly connected with people who've been confirmed of the virus, if the medical personnel still sees that you're, you should take the test, then you don't really have to pay the fees. Mm. And in Korea, currently, it's around, it costs around $160 US dollars to take the test. That's if you've got no connection to it at all. Right, but, right. So usually okay. they would make you pay, but if the medical person still sees that, you know, you should still take it, then they mm. don't make you pay. So a lot of people don't really have to pay the fee. Okay. Um, and the results come out within 12 hours, so it's super fast. And mm. it's only after you've been confirmed negative of the coronavirus that you can go on to take other medical tests. So okay. they have that standard procedure, which I think is very effective. Mm. Yeah, so she's been confirmed negative and everything's been good. Other than that, people are still wearing their masks. They're pretty disciplined about it. And we mm. had the five-day rule policy. So depending on your the end digit of your birth year, 
you were designated a specific day of the week where you could go to a pharmacy and buy your masks. And you would get ration masks, up to two masks per week. But starting from next week, we're able to buy three masks per week. How long does a mask last you? You're supposed to only wear them for a day. The thing is, these are like the official government-approved masks, the N95 ones yeah. um, that are globally approved. But as with other like cotton masks, you can just go about and buy them freely mm. nowadays on the internet and such. Okay. So, yeah. But I've been told that starting from next week, we'll be able to buy three of those government-approved masks per week. Are you still on lockdown or in some sort of quarantine in South Korea? South Korea is unique in that the lockdown hasn't been as severely enforced as in other global countries and mm. European countries and also the U.S. And people are more free to go around with their masks. And I think it's also because people themselves have been more disciplined about wearing masks and being careful and sticking to the government um, suggested rules. And the communication between the government and the public has been pretty well kept. Every time there's a confirmed case, we get a notification on our phone. And then within a couple of hours, we can see where the confirmed patient has been and avoid that route. And yeah, so some people might say that South Korea has been a bit of a nanny government in that kind of a way. Mm, but mm. Um, looking back, I think that really helped us uh, flatten the curve out a bit faster than other yeah. countries. Um, but for me personally, I haven't really experienced a severe lockdown at all. And with work, our institute is pretty small, so we're not as crowded within the workspace. Mm. Um, so what we did was shorten our work hours a little bit so we would avoid the traffic and minimize contact with other people. But with larger corporations, a lot of ha them have been working from home, but that's been relieved now. And even with online courses, um, I think some of the schools are going to start uh, actually having in-person classes. So mm -hmm. the lockdown really good. hasn't been, yeah. It was really interesting for me because one of the questions that you had was about exercise. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like a lot of the Korean public are going around and walking and actually doing exercise outside, mm. which is why I thought the question was so intriguing. Of course, a lot of people are trying to stick with the social distancing, um, but the government has also been doing a pretty good job advising people certain hours when they can go walk through, you know, by the lake and whatnot and have the rest of it closed for certain hours. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I guess uh, because I, that's one of the few times that I get to go outside at the moment uh, is, is for a morning run every couple of days. It's kind of at the forefront of my mind as a really important liberty to have. Right. <laughs> So I guess that's why I asked about that specifically. But um, can I ask, uh, you, you recently had an election. How did voting go? Oh, yeah, voting. It was like the highest voting turnout in the past 30 years. We exceeded 60%, um, that's which huge. is a big deal. Mm. And a lot of people went to vote early. A lot of younger people did as well. 
And the government did a pretty good job um, announcing the exact voting procedures via news channels and such. So we were advised of the exact steps to follow once we enter and make our vote and make the ballot. And even when standing in line, we had to stay like a meter apart from each other. Yeah. And they would take our temperature in the lobby. We had to wear a mask Mm. and we were given plastic gloves when we were voting. Although some people have been criticizing that for being environmentally unfriendly. (laughs) We had to use hand sanitizer, uh, which is interesting because when I talked to some of my friends in the US, they would tell me how difficult it is to actually buy hand sanitizer these days. In Korea, uh, hand sanitizers have been stationed almost everywhere, I think, even on public transports, and Mm. um, it's been made pretty readily available. We would make our ballot and just throw out the gloves. It turned out pretty well, although it hasn't been two weeks yet, so hopefully it's not going to spike (laughs) up again, (laughs) but we have to see, but I think it's, Mm. um, it's gone pretty well, and the Moon administration's um, coronavirus policy, I think, has aided the ruling party in winning the elections this round. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a, um, a a good time, I guess, for them to hold an election when things right. are going relatively well compared to other countries. Uh, yeah. yeah. Are you hopeful that restrictions are going to ease then in South Korea? I'm pretty hopeful. I mean, I, I already see them easing, as I said, with the with courses at schools. We see them mm. slowly transitioning from virtual courses to in-person courses. I mean, schools are going to resume again. Yeah, everything seems pretty normal in my view for me now, except mm. for the whole mask part. And people have been pretty you know, cautionary as to where they go, travel, who they meet. Yeah, everyone's been very disciplined and super careful. So that top-down part and the bottom-up part, it's been working together pretty well. Hello. Hi, Matt. How are you going? I'm doing good. How are you? Yeah, yeah, I'm loving the lockdown life. And we finished the podcast with India, home to close to 1.4 billion people and around 17% of the world's population. India is in a strict lockdown, but the situation could have been worse. Experts have been surprised by the relatively low levels of coronavirus death in India so far. This is Dr. Sandesha Rayapa from the Linguistic Empowerment Cell at Jawaharlal Nehru University. We are lucky because we have a terrace. We live in these government quarters. And uh, so the people in the ground floor, they have these, you know, nice lawns. So I can see their children playing there. And we who are lucky with the terrace, we send our kids every day at 6 p.m., rain or shine. We make them go outside, breathe the air outside. We want them to play, which they would have done in a park otherwise. It's an adaptation which is happening around the world. Yeah. So in the, in your, in the way we eat, the cuisine, the food. Okay, Matthew, I mean, I'm sure this is happening everywhere. We are finding people who are posting videos and uh, where they're making amazing meals. They're making amazing desserts. And I'm like, wow, so good for you. Seriously, come on. There are people who are not having food because guess what? I am one of those families which did not go to any of the stores before the lockdown and we didn't buy any canned food. Mm. 
Mm. I haven't seen chicken since a lockdown because we didn't buy any chicken. We didn't buy any meat products. We didn't buy. We didn't go to the market because I was busy in my work, and my husband was busy in his work. I kept telling him, "Let's go get something. Let's go and get something." And eventually, boom, lockdown period. <laughs> so, I haven't gone below my house since the lockdown because my husband's a doctor and it's an essential service, and he has to go outside the house. So we have decided it's like not even spoken about. We all know since he's the one going out and coming back from the outside world. He goes and comes back with the food and vegetables. We are buying them. We have a vendor in India, in Delhi. You have these vendors going in these certain carts that they have. So ours is a government colony, and you can imagine they don't go outside because generally everybody was saying, "Don't buy vegetables and fruits suddenly from anywhere. Buy it from the people that you were used to buying. You know, mm. like you know that they are people who are keep maintaining a hygiene." So. the same vendor who we been buying for decades he is the one we buy the stuff from so now for 5 days this vendor didn't come 5 days the vendor didn't come after we ran out of the vegetables for 2 days we didn't have any vegetable for the next 3 days till he didn't come and the reason he didn't come guess what that's because he was beaten up by the cops questioned so i think maybe it was something which upset him yeah. so Yeah, so those things are happening around. And what's your sense of how coronavirus is going to affect India going forward? Because the numbers in India aren't as high as they are elsewhere in the world, but at the same time, that's related to how much testing is being done. So, what's your mm, sense yeah. on how much there is around the place? We don't know. We have, we have actually gone into a second phase of lockdown, as we call it, lockdown two, mm. and apparently it's still May third. and if may 3rd the lockdown continues then we'll call it lockdown 3 i don't know till when we can be in lockdown period because there are people who are suffering me and my husband we are getting our salary we will get them with a salary cut uh, because the government has decided to kind of take a certain percentage and you know obviously for uh, helping out with these particular financial crisis time mm. but uh, there are people who have lost their jobs so they obviously are like waiting for the lockdown to go they do understand that it's for their safety and everything we have people who are stuck migration workers basically the labor force they all want to go back home we have students who left the university and they were on their way they didn't get to reach home and they didn't get to come back they can't enter the university again so it's different things altogether mm. as far as the question about how it's going to be just in the morning i got a video where there's a very well known doctor he's actually complimented and applauded the prime minister of our country for taking this decision of the lockdown that is the reason why it's kind of controlled right now in fact there are few people who say that the lockdown should have happened earlier then maybe we could have stopped it from coming in according to this doctor it's not reached a peak it's kind of there but it's still steady but if the lockdown goes down and then everything opens up and people go out he's expecting it to pick up again and he's saying that we can see a spike in july and august can you imagine july and august and i've actually heard of people saying that it'll come back again in september or july august or whatever mm. so we all will have to adapt it sounds like india is just on the start of its coronavirus journey then if i can put it that way hello shh quiet please okay okay uh, it sounds like 
India is just at the start of its coronavirus journey. So does that concern you that you could potentially be stuck inside for a few months and you don't know what's going to be happening? Of course, every day mm. we are like, oh my God, we are dying to get out. A person like me, Matt, you know me. <laughs> Anybody who knows me, for my husband, nothing has changed. He's still going to work and he's coming back and staying put. But for me, I lived outside. I'm not only am I scared about how I'm adapting to it right now, I'm actually scared that even once the lockdown gets over, it'll take me months to have the courage to travel again it, within India. Forget about outside the world. Like, my university and many other universities, schools are still thinking about how the evaluation process will take place. We are thinking about it. We're waiting till May 3rd to see whether we have a lockdown three or not. And uh, yes, the fear is there definitely that not only are our lives changing right now, they will change even after this. Not only for parents, not only for the children, even for the grandparents. Every morning I hear my mother-in-law say, when am I going to get out? When am I going to get out? She and my father-in-law would get up every day before the lockdown. 5, 5.30, they'd be up. Then they would kind of have their tea and they would go to the local park, would have a local gym kind of thing within it, which was built. They'd enjoy doing a little bit of exercise. They would feel mentally and physically fit and they would come back home they'd have breakfast and their life would continue. Yeah, so yeah. now with that part getting cut off is something which they're really missing. You, you won't believe this. After one week, I told my mother-in-law, go to the terrace, breathe a little bit of fresh air. And that's when she started doing that. And obviously she felt better, but she still misses the company of talking to other people and everything. Because one thing you must remember, the younger generation, people my age and the younger ones, the teenagers, they're all getting onto their mobiles, getting onto their laptops. They're still connecting. Yeah, yeah. But it's very difficult for the older lot. You know, they're not used to so much of like, you know, continuous WhatsApp videos and Zoom mm -hmm. and everything. Let's hope that, you know, things work out. But it doesn't look like it's going to be so soon. That's Dr. Sandesha Rayapa from the Linguistic Empowerment Cell at Jawaharlal Nehru University. My thanks to her and to my other guests, Professor Paul Yip, the Director of the Centre for Suicide Research and Prevention at Hong Kong University, and Si Young Kim from the East Asia Institute in Seoul, South Korea. That's it today for Asia Rising. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe to it in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you may cast your pod. And you can follow Latrobe Asia on Twitter. We are at Latrobe Asia. I'm Matt Smith, and thanks for listening. <laughs>